Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've brought you several stories over the last couple of months about leverage in the cattle market. Cattle producers have not had the leverage over the last couple of years. That's all been with the packers, but that is about to change according to some respected industry experts. At last week's Texas Cattle Feeders Association annual meeting, Cattle Facts' CEO, Randy Block, talked about that very subject, and he said the pendulum is about to swing fairly quickly back over to the cattle producer's favor. We'll have that story to kick off today's show. My name is Karen. Terry Martin, I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. It seems to have been a good year for cotton in the Texas Panhandle. I'm James Hunt and we'll hear what one area farmer has to say on Texas Ag Today. As the grain sorghum harvest continues in the Texas Panhandle, yields and quality of the crop are coming in very good. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. This time of year is a transitional time of year in gardening. Please join me, John Begnaud, as we talk about preparing for winter in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Shrinking cattle numbers will give cattle producers the advantage next year, moving fed cattle prices up into the mid-130s on average. That was the outlook from Cattle Facts at last week's Texas Cattle Feeders Association annual meeting. Cattle Facts' Randy Block says the pendulum is about to swing back into cattle producers' favor. It may still take several more months. It still may take another five or six months, but when it does turn, it'll turn pretty rapidly. And the market will go by us. You know, there's so much margin in here. The wholesale markets look like 280 or 285, maybe what we average next year. Well, the market at those kind of levels, you know, 135 is not very high. I mean, if you have a wholesale market that ends up being at 280 or 285, you know, you could see a market that moves higher than what I suggested. And Block says cattle producers will need that higher market next year just to cover the increased cost of doing business, as inflation is increasing the price of practically every input in cattle production. Texas has a big presence on the National Corn Board. Seven Texans have been named to key advisory positions for the National Corn Growers Association in the coming year. The following have been selected for committee and team positions by the NCGA Corn Board. Robert Gordon of Dalhart, Kyla Hamilton of Shallow Water, Aaron Martinka of Buckholtz, Charles Ring of Sinton, 
Chad Wetzel of Sherman, Russell Williams of Dalhart, and Bryce White, who is the Texas Corn Producers Producer Relations Director. David Gibson, Executive Director of Texas Corn Producers, said having a Texan perspective at the national level is valuable in guiding efforts through action teams and committees. He said he looks forward to seeing the leadership of these Texans grow the industry over the next year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Congressional Democrats hope to push forward on the Biden administration's pared-down spending bill this week. American Farm Bureau's Dustin Shearer says repeal of stepped-up basis and early phasing out of the estate tax exemption are not in the bill for now. But that could change. Before it gets to the floor, there's going to have to be some type of manager's amendment to the text that, that makes that change. And that would be the same manner in which, should something adverse to farmers and ranchers happen like, change to step up in basis or a transfer tax at death come back. That would be the manner in which it does. The bill will expand the net investment income tax to incomes over $400,000 and to all S-Corporation partnership profits. 2021 has been a good year for cotton in the Texas panhandle. James Hunt talks with one panhandle farmer about his cotton crop this year. For Justin Garrett, who farms in the northern panhandle counties of Moore, Hansford, and Ockletree, it's been a good year for his cotton, although there's still some harvest to take care of. We have quite a bit to go. We're hoping to be through by maybe Thanksgiving or December 1st, somewhere in there, if weather doesn't keep us out of the field. But as for what's already made it out of the field, Garrett's cotton is getting high marks for things like color and fiber thickness, which certainly helps with marketing. When they see those numbers, the buyers, you know, when they see those kind of grades, they jump on it and they can blend it with some of the lower quality that we're getting around the world. You know, we're competing worldwide. So if they need blend cotton, these really good grades, then they really jump on it. And with the solid grades, Garrett says he's been getting above 50 cents a pound extra as premiums on top of what are already strong cotton prices to begin with. As to why the quality turned out so strong, Garrett credits a mild summer. You know, we had maybe one or two days where it was 100, but as long as cotton gets high 80s, low 90s on a consistent basis, it's got a good low stress growth and it's consistent growth. It's not these times where it stops for a few days and then goes again and then stops. It was almost a greenhouse for the year. On the yield side of the equation, Garrett's been getting just under three bales per acre on his irrigated cotton, a good figure that he believes might have been higher if he hadn't been forced to plant late due to cold temperatures at the beginning of the season. Garrett says this is also the first season in his nearly 20 years of growing cotton where he hasn't lost any acres to weather damage. As for his corn, Garrett says he was pleased by the consistency in yields for his overall farm with his bushels per acre in the 260s. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. And cotton isn't the only crop that has prospered in the panhandle this year. Tom Nicoletti says sorghum has had a great year there as well. For today's program, we go up to Dalhart, and Jake Becker is our guest. He is a pioneer field agronomist. And uh, Jake, uh, you pretty much cover all the uh, region north of Amarillo, and they're in the northwestern part of uh, Texas. Uh, you're keeping an eye on the grain sorghum uh, yields and the harvest. That's about 60 to 70 percent complete at this point. What do those yields look like? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tom. Uh, grain sorghum yields look really, really good. We had some more challenging weather for like our corn crop later on in the growing season where it got hot and dry. That sorghum could really handle that heat, handle that lack of moisture, 
and especially under irrigation, we have several acres across the northern Texas panhandle with yields above 10,000 pounds of the acre. That's really going to help these producers pay off some bills, get into 2022, hopefully in a good position. So really excited about the sorghum yields here north of Amarillo. Very good. The quality of the crop is in good shape as well. Quality looks great. Test weights have been good. We had some sugarcane aphid pressure, not tons, but some earlier on in the growing season. Over the past, say, three to five years, we've really stepped up our hybrid game at hybrids like 85P75. Really, it's introductory year. It has flat out rang the bell. Stuff is standing well, even with some big winds that came through. Super, super happy with the grain sorghum this year. We didn't get early freeze like we did a couple of years ago, and we had some earlier planted sorghum that came off early, and it was great. And even this later planted stuff that we always worry about that early freeze on, we didn't pick that up. So it was a great year for grain sorghum, for sure. That is Jake Becker. He is a pioneer field agronomist in Delhart. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. November is a transitional month for Texas gardening. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno discusses the transition to the winter months. Well, we think of this time of year, late October, early November, as the time of year that we're actually preparing for winter. There's years that we have had really, really cold October. Freezes as early as the 19th of October, which we haven't had this year, thank heavens, for most of Texas, of course. And so what we're looking at is getting finished with fertilizing, first of all. You don't fertilize in the winter unless you have plants that are green and growing in the winter. And that might be winter grass, and it might be a few very rare things. But the rest of the time, we have utilized it all up. So, yes, you can still use it right now. Get rid of it. Don't store it if you don't have to because fresh fertilizer is better in the spring. Winterizer fertilizer is important in making trees and shrubs and even turf grass healthier. So if you haven't done it, you need to wrap that thing up. Also water. You know, you can't control water as much at this time of the year on your natural landscape as you can during the summer when it's hot and dry. When water comes in the form of abundance, it can prolonged growth of plants. It can make them a little more tender. You have no control over that. But if you do have control, you're in an area where you don't need water necessarily as much, then don't do it. Harden those plants off. Let them be ready for that first freeze and be ready for the winter cold temperatures. We also look at winterizing equipment. We drain fuel the old days. We drain fuel in our uh, motorized equipment. But now research kind of shows if you'll put a winterizer in there, a stabilizer to the fuel and let the fuel stay in the tank, it keeps all the seals and everything ready to go in the spring. So if you have any extra fuel that you have not utilized, you can also stabilize that. This is very important and very expensive equipment like riding lawnmowers, for instance, that you stabilize that fuel and get it ready. It's nice to have it all checked out. You can get them into the shop and worked on in the fall a whole lot easier than you can in the spring when everybody's trying to do it. So there are a few of these chores that we can do and shop for specials at the end of the year because some people are not going to carry that equipment all winter long. This is John Begner reporting from San Angelo. There have been some additional changes to turkey hunting regulations for this year. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And maintaining the effectiveness of antibiotics is a complex issue. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. 
As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors, we are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's a long-running debate about maintaining the effectiveness of antibiotics, and it's a very complicated issue. Dr. Bob Judd says it involves both animal and human health studies. The International Consortium for Antimicrobial Stewardship in Agriculture has awarded a $191,000 grant to Kansas State and a $200,000 grant to Texas Tech to develop management strategies that improve judicious antibiotic use in beef cattle. Antibiotic resistance is a serious problem in human and animal health, and we are seeing more resistant bacteria than ever before. Forty years ago, we saw some resistance to penicillin in calves, and that was about the extent of the resistance seen. Now we are seeing cases of antibiotic resistance weekly in our practice, even in small animals. Bovine respiratory disease is the most common disease in cattle, as it affects about 20% of cattle and costs producers almost $900 million annually. Many producers try to prevent this disease by using a strategy called metaphylaxis, in which a group of animals receive antibiotics at the same time to hopefully prevent disease. An example is to bring in 500 calves as stalkers or to a feedlot and treat them all with the same antibiotic. The producer assesses the risk of the calves and then decides to treat, and they don't always have enough facts about the calves to make a good treatment decision. Also, producers do not have a method of determining which calves may not need to be treated. Kansas State is using artificial intelligence and machine learning to determine the risk of the incoming cattle developing respiratory disease. Texas Tech is developing a management strategy that treats only the calves at high risk for respiratory disease, such as those with fever. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Turkey hunters need to be aware of some changes to Texas hunting regulations. Jessica Domel tells all about it in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has made some changes to wild turkey hunting regulations this year. As we mentioned yesterday, the department aligned the north and south zone boundaries for the spring and the fall hunting seasons. Jason Harden, Wild Turkey Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us again today to discuss other changes. He says hunters need to be aware of the new requirement for hunters to report their harvests in south-central Texas. 
in that 10 county area that I mentioned earlier, from Milam County down to Matagorda County, we are following what we've done in East Texas with mandatory reporting requirements. So if you harvest a turkey in Milam County and those 10 counties south to Matagorda County, those are the one bird annual bag limit counties, you will have to report through the My Texas Hunt Harvest within 24 hours of harvest. So you can do that on the Texas Partial Wildlife website on the turkey page or several other locations on the website, or you can download the My Hunt Harvest app. The following 10 counties now have mandatory reporting requirements. Bastrop, Caldwell, Colorado, Fayette, Jackson, Lavaca, Lee, Matagorda, Milam, and Wharton. It's just tracking the population. We have our small game harvest survey. It works really well for most of our four bird bag limit counties, that heart of the Rio Grande country. But those counties that I just mentioned are kind of on the eastern edge of the Rio Grande range, and we just don't get enough harvest to really track that population as well as we need to. So to get a better idea of what's going on in that area, population-wise and harvest-wise, we've implemented the mandatory harvest reporting. Wild turkey hunting season for all zones that have a fall season opens on Saturday, November 6th. Be sure to consult your outdoor annual. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a nice jump in the cattle market on Tuesday, but the grain and cotton markets pulled back after that big run-up we had to start the week. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The markets flip-flopped on Tuesday as we saw a higher close in the cattle complex, but lower closes in cotton and grains. That's just the opposite of how we kicked the week off on Monday. But we finished out in the cattle complex with both live and feeder cattle in positive territory, getting support from smaller show lists this week, strength in boxed beef prices, and lower corn prices. December live cattle up $1.10 to finish at $129.95. February up $1.32, $135.22. April live cattle up $1.45 at $138.17. Good strength in the feeder cattle market November up 317, closing at 157.57. January feeders up 430 to close at 157.02, while March was up 377 at 158 even. Cash fed cattle trade still quiet on Tuesday. No sales to report, no bids from the packers. We do see asking prices from the feedlots at 128 and better. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice up $1.54 at 289.12. Select up $1.97, 266.36. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's go to the Texas coast. Talk to Rodney Butler about the great sale he had on Friday in Beeville. Rodney Butler, how'd that thing turn out for y'all? No market. I 
quoted was anywhere from six to ten cents higher in most places of cattle, sir. Let's walk those pins. We had five hundred and four head of cattle, five horses, and one goat. Your two hundred three hundred pound steers were dollar forty six to dollar seventy three. Heifers a dollar thirty one to dollar sixty eight. Your three hundred four hundred pound steers a dollar thirty eight to dollar eighty. Heifers a dollar thirty three to dollar fifty two. Your 400-500 pound steers were $1.38 to $1.74. Heifers $1.28 to $1.45. 500-600 pound steers were $1.30 to $1.62. Heifers $1.27 to $1.41. 600 to 700 pound steers, $1.25 to $1.42. Heifers, $1.21 to $1.40. 700 to 800 pound steers were $1.21 to $1.37. And heifers were $1.11 to $1.22. We had a very few Packer cows. They brought anywhere from 25 to 69 cents. Packer bulls brought anywhere from 82 to 95. We didn't have any young stocker cows. And the bred cows, I think we had two bred cows uh, Friday, and they brought anywhere from 800 to 875. No pairs. And we had a handful of horses, and they brought anywhere from four and a quarter to 635. Sir. What do you expect for this Friday? I know of a couple of bunches of calves coming this week. Uh, hopefully we'll have good quality calves and that old market will be strong, sir. Tell everybody how to contact you for the Friday sale in Beeville, Rodney Butler. Yeah, if I can help you market your cattle, please call me at 361-358-1727 or you can call me on my mobile, 645-5002. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Me, I'm Larry Marble. I host you every day and I'll do it again tomorrow. Neighbor, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close lower. December hogs off a dollar ninety to close at seventy four twenty five. February hogs down a dollar sixty five seventy seven fifteen. Class three milk was lower. November milk down thirty five cents eighteen thirty three a hundredweight. The cotton market pulled back and took a breather after that limit-up run we saw on Monday. We were up five cents, and then in the overnight trade, we hit a 10-year high of 121.67 on that December contract. It pulled back to finish 259 points lower Tuesday. It closed at 117.25. March cotton down 120 points, 113.83. December 22 cotton down 40 at 92.16. Same story in the corn and wheat markets. A big run up on Monday. Traders stepped into the market and took some profits on Tuesday. Again, the market just taking a breath after such a big run up in both corn and wheat over the last few trading sessions. December corn down 6, 573 a bushel. March corn down 5 and 3 quarters, 581 and a quarter. July Kansas City wheat down four and a half, seven ninety and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down two and three quarters, seven ninety-two and three quarters. In the energy markets, December natural gas was up thirty-two cents, five fifty-one. December crude oil down fifty-eight at eighty-three forty-seven a barrel. The financial markets were higher on Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up a hundred forty-eight points, thirty-six thousand sixty-two. The Nasdaq up thirty-nine at fifteen thousand six thirty-five. The S and P up seventeen points at four thousand. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.